Oh man, how are you guys doing? I want to tell you why I feel at peace right now, even though on my birthday I got a nice birthday treat called More Lockdowns. It was my birthday. That was basically me telling you it was my birthday. How old are you, Pastor? 29. We've been there for a while. Um, can I, can I, that was my birthday treat. Can I say, Pastor Aaron and I, Pastor Aaron and I, we just celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary. Like that right there is proof that there is God in heaven. Come on, somebody. Pastor Aaron had problems. God has been good to us. You know, I feel like, don't feel like you're trapped in a place that's uh, shrinking. I think that if you feel like you're trapped in a place that's shrinking, that that doesn't reflect what God is doing. And I feel like maybe uh, God is able to work and to, to move uh, in any situation and in any scenario. And I feel like we need to entreat God to do what only God can do in our province and in our nation right now. And people are just broken. People just don't know what to do. People don't know what to feel. They're just trying to do the best that they can. And, and uh, I feel like this is kind of the great reset. The last thing I would want for you is for life to go back to the way that it was before COVID. Without God. Come on, Venue Church. Without purpose, without that real community, with the illusion of community, with the illusion of connection. I feel like this is the great reset. And what I don't want to happen is that your arrow is released before you pull the bow back all the way. And I feel like that's what's happening right now. Listen, we might need a little more desperation to get to our destination. And the Holy Spirit showed me that and I wrote it down yesterday. We might need a little des desperation to get to our destination as a people. Hey, if you've never been to NXT and gotten involved in Venue Church, there's a banner right there that somebody will meet you. And after this um, sermon, please go get prayed for. We would love to be able to pray for you and let God lift the weight off of you that I feel is on a lot of people right now. And um, I need to say something before I get into my sermon today. Um, uh, Emil is in my small group, which is, you know, like hands down the best small group. And um, as small groups kicked off this week, and just because um, the lockdown, what we've done is we've just moved our small groups either here or to our new building right now, because worship experiences, we are able to do that. So, and, um, and so please get involved in small groups. You need people now more than you ever have. And yeah. so, and so, um, so we've been able to do that. That's how we ran small groups all last year. And, uh, and so we just moved them to church. I thank God that our, we have a, maybe we're not in that new building for a reason yet because we have such a high fire rating here that we can still do church. You know, <laughs> they'll do a church for like 10 people at a time. And so God has blessed us there as well. And, and we're just doing the best we can like everybody else. I want to say uh, Emil in my small group is from South Africa. And I said I was going to tell his mom because he's in my small group, the best small group. And I said, if you come to my small group, I'm going to say hi to your mom. Hi, Cora in South Africa. We love you. She gets people together and watches the sermons and watches these experiences. And she gets to watch what her church or grandkids are in right now. And that's pretty incredible. And so we love you. She doesn't watch them live because it's in the middle of the night or something. I don't know. But uh, they do. We, that's why we do it online. So what we do here and what you do when you come and you serve people, it matters, not just for you, but it, and when you join a dream team and really start serving the city and you're not coming to church for you anymore, um, God does miracles. Today's uh, sermon is going to be about miracles, um, how God gets them to you. Um, first, can I just say a little something? Can I do like an in-house like church thing? I know that I'm supposed to be like the nice guy and that's why I have team leads and all that. 
so that I don't have to jump on many grenades. But I, I do want to say something here that um, I woke up really early this morning and I've been up in the night a lot the last couple of weeks. And I feel the what the Holy Spirit might want to say to the church. Can I speak to church people? Hey, if you're here and you're, you consider like yourself far from God, hey, this is all free for you and you're going to like it because I'm going to give the church kids a little bit of heck right now. Just as long as it's not me, right? I don't care who gets heck as long as it's not me. I feel like we have the tendency in the church to be stubborn sometimes and I don't feel like that represents um, how Jesus is. And, and listen, you want to talk about stubborn, talk to my mom about what it was like to raise the most stubborn kid that Canada has ever produced right here. And God has had to break me out of a lot of that stubbornness in my life. And I feel like church people, we can be stubborn more than anybody else sometimes. And I feel like that is not representing Christ right now. And um, you know what every stubborn person, what I've always said when I've been very stubborn is that I'm right, therefore I get to act this way. Um, we are sons and daughters of God supposed to be servants and servants don't get to be stubborn about anything, about being right or about being wrong or about anything. Servants get to serve and servants' attitudes and hearts get to reflect their master. And our master is Jesus. And I didn't see Jesus coming down with that stubborn streak about him. And um, can I preach a little history right now if I could? Because history will repeat itself unless you do something about it. And um, did you know why the nation of Israel historically missed the savior? that was prophesied to them. If anybody should have known about it, it was Israel. Because the Savior had been prophesied and all of the prophets coming down and Jesus shows up and nobody recognizes him. It's not like people didn't get saved, and didn't, but, but the, for the large part, the, a religious nation didn't follow Jesus. Why was that? It's been plaguing me. And this morning, I feel like the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, it's because they wanted Jesus to preach about Rome. Sorry, COVID was what I meant. Yeah, I just did that. They wanted Jesus to preach about the oppression of Rome. And I don't know where you are on the COVID scale and the vaccine scale, but I'm talking to kids in the back of the car right now. Get over it. We need to serve the city. Get over it. Somebody needs you to give up your stubbornness right now. We need to love people. And they missed it because every sermon that he preached, they wanted him to preach about Rome. Like, get Rome off our back. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And um, I've been racking my brain and I even Googled it. I'm trying to figure out how many times he preached about Rome and all I could find is when they were complaining about paying taxes and they, he said, whose face is on the inscription? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. But because they didn't, because they didn't, he came because they didn't. In AD 70, Rome sacked Jerusalem. I don't know if you know that. Wiped it out. And because that nation was so stubborn and didn't recognize the day of their visitation, their sons and daughters within two short generations, not even two generations, their sons and daughters were sold uh, as the best slaves that Rome had ever sold and financed things like the Colosseum. Now this is a prophetic word. I just want you to receive this thing and take it home and stop being stubborn. If we don't give up our pride and our stubbornness, church, and remember that we are here to serve and our, our nature and our thoughts and our emotions and our opinions have to reflect heaven's opinions. And servants don't get that. And we came to Christ not to get all of our opinions back. We came to serve. And uh, Jesus came down here to serve. Can I say this? A Colosseum could be built on the backs of our children, but I don't want that for you. And I don't want that for our nation right now. 
And I don't want a monument that lasts for thousands of years because I was too stubborn to follow Jesus. And so right now, what I want to say to you is Jesus still died on a Roman cross, but saved millions of us. He still submitted to that. He still died on a Roman cross. Paul died by a Roman sword. And we have to get to this place, Christ follower, where we're not trying to get God to serve us and the nation to serve us. That we're just here to serve and we're here to love. We're here to forgive. And we are here to stop digging our heels in. There was a group of people. I didn't, I didn't share this before, but you guys are going to get it. There was a group of people. I wrote it down called the belligerents. Rome decided to finally take over Jerusalem because a group of people called the belligerents. Do you know who was in that group? The church leaders. The church leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They're Sadducees. So you like that. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to give that encouragement to us. What's happening around us doesn't have to happen inside of us. And uh, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. In this world, you will have troubles, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So that's why I'm at peace right now. And this is the most stubborn person on earth that God has had to break me out of that stubbornness. And if you're living with somebody who's very stubborn in your home and you're like, pastor, you are preaching to my spouse right now who's not here. Listen, maybe they're stubborn because you reap what you sow. Shots fired, I'm just saying. Hey, listen, God has had to break me of it and God can break you of it. Just don't make the mistake of asking God to teach you patience. All right, come on, let's get into our sermon today. And listen, listen, if you want to be stubborn, then God's going to speak to you through a donkey. Hee-haw, you're welcome. I don't mind being the donkey. It's a scripture. Look it up in the Bible. I love you, but you know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes dad's just got to lean in the back seat and say, if I pull the car over and come back there, everybody getting a smack. And so... My, my grandma was Old Testament. How many people know, like, life was different back then? And my mom was going on a road trip with my, uh, my, my younger, much younger than my dad, um, aunt and uncle. She was sitting in the back seat between them. And grandma kept warning, and they kept fighting back and forth. But my mom, who was married to my dad by this time, was sitting between them. And grandma forgot, and she leaned back and got them all. And uh, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it was grandma. And you tell her she's she not allowed to. But I just feel like sometimes we just need to... Okay. I feel like God is just saying as our father, he walked into the room and he's like, what are we all fighting about here? Why don't you guys look like a little more like Jesus? And, and uh, let's be praying for people in this time. And your neighbor needs you to get to today's sermon right. And, uh, and God wants you to bless you. And I'm going to preach this like I preach it to my kids because uh, God has such great things in store for you. But it is conditional on some things that we do. Uh, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down shaken together to make room for more like pastor Aaron in the recycling bin on Monday mornings or whenever it goes out in there two feet stomping it down running over it and pour it into your lap the amount you give will be will determine the amount you get back thanks John the same measure that we give is the measure that is returned to us in fact the only limiting factor on what God can do in your life is what you decide to give back today's sermon is called give back. And I like the imagery that it's like, I'm going to give you so much that it's going to be poured into your lap. And when you walk around, everybody's going to see that I blessed you above and beyond what you could even hold in your hands. But we have to learn to live with empty hands. Um, Aaron Edwards is here one, on one of his first dates with Karen and they are still married, proving again that there is a God in heaven. On one of their first dates, Edwards gets like the big thing of pop, right? He always does that when he goes, even now he does that at movies. And have you seen Karen? She's little and she's got these tiny little pterodactyl hands. We love Karen, but her hands are like pterodactyl hands. And she reaches over, not, not going to two hand this giant pop. She reaches over across and with one hand proceeds to dump the entire thing in his lap 10 minutes into the movie. 
as they were dating. And if you guys are still married, man, there is a God in heaven. God wants to bless you so much that you walk around with it like dripping off of you for the people around you. Come on, say amen, Benny Church. Now you gotta think, giving back, it's giving back. You gotta stop thinking, I'm giving to God. I'm giving to God's house. I'm giving to my neighbor. I'm giving, I'm giving to my child. You gotta stop thinking, I'm giving. Because when you say I'm giving, you think that it's you. You think that it's like, well, it's my money. I work hard with my two hands. And God is like the two hands that I put on your little baby fetus in the womb. Those two hands? I work hard for my money. You only got your job because God's angel put your resume on top. You only married who you married because God's like blinded her to all the other guys. Come on, say amen, Benny Church. Didn't you think Pastor Aaron married me because I was good looking? I was the only one that she could see, thank God. Now, and I'm good looking. It's a giving sandwich. We give back to God because God gave first to us. And when we give back to God, now you're thinking like, oh, this isn't mine actually. This is God's that he gave first. And when we give back, God's like, great, now I can give more. And it's just kind of this thing that keeps going back and forth and, and back and forth. Now, when we came to um, plant the church here about four years ago, um, our, our story is just full of miracles on miracles. And we live in the provision of God. Every week we have a miracle that is just normal to us now because we're children of God. And that's really what I want for you. I want, I want your problems to be God's problems. We just saying like you have the whole world in your hands. See, the only way that that gets messed up is when you take it back. And so you can't just give your problems to God. You got to give everything to God, but it's such a better life. I'm telling you from like the control freak of all control freaks. When God finally broke that in me, I'll tell you, my life just got free and easy. And, and you can say to yourself, well, you gave up control. That must've made you stupid or weak. Go ahead and call me stupid and weak, everybody. No, it's not that. Actually, I found my strength, but I found my strength in God and I stopped finding it in myself. And, and uh, we needed a miracle when we came here. We didn't have a house and there wasn't a lot for sale. And um, we looked at seven or eight houses, but none of them were right. And, and at this time too, our family was like broken and, and church planting is like, uh, if you've ever started a small business, it's like starting a small business um, with volunteers that you don't pay that actually fund it. And on top of that, the devil is trying to kill you every single week and trying to mess your life up and get to your kids and get to your marriage. And, and, um, and, our, and, and church planning is one of the hardest jobs on the planet. And, um, and the team that came with us know, like we know, we rolled up our sleeves, man, it was hard. Um, but on top of that, our family, like the hardest thing about all that was our family was just really, really in a broken state and we needed miracles. We needed a home. What you need is the anointing of God in your life because it says the anointing uh, breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that pays the bills. Not anything of the work of your hands. Um, it's the anointing of God. And so we were making a deal with the Burt Church Theater at the time. And that theater even was a total miracle because I went there and I'm like, this place is great. There wasn't a lot to do church in in town. And I said, the first thing they told me was, don't even ask us for recurring booking. Like, don't even ask for it. And I don't love being told what to do. And so I went back to the Holy Spirit and I'm like, I'm asking. If you want us to plant a church here, Lord, I need that building. And I got a call the next day, apparently the, the manager or the acting manager at the time had got a call from his boss who said, why aren't you renting that building out more? You need to rent that building out, rent that building out right now. And I got a call the next day from a very different person <laughs> saying, uh, let's do a deal. And so, and so, um, so I was ready to sign the paperwork there. And, uh, in about 45 minutes or so, um, 
I needed about 45 minutes to do this, and we were looking at houses. And so I told Pastor Aaron, this is kind of what I do. I, I bought a bunch of like Starbucks gift cards for 10 bucks. And I'm like, go to the neighborhoods of where we're looking. And uh, we live in Cooper's. That's where we settled. Now, Cooper's has been voted for 10 years in a row in Airdrie, the, the best uh, community to live in by the inhabitants of Cooper's. <laughs> Did you know that? When you see the signs? Yeah, that's because Cooper's took a vote. It's kind of funny. Anyways, I think it's funny. But that's where we ended up settling. And, and uh, so, so Pastor Erin was having a bad day at the time. She was a bit sulky, and she'll tell you that much. She's like, I don't want to go do this thing. I'm tired. I don't want to. Why don't you go and talk to people? You're good at talking to people. I'm like, me versus you? I feel like. So I'm just like, look, we need a house to live in. You've got 45 minutes with nothing to do, you know? So she goes, and she's all sulking. And so, so across the street was a house we were looking at. And she goes there and, and sees uh, the lady who owns the house that we now live in sitting on her driveway out front. And she says to the lady, hey, how's the neighborhood? You know, like, here's a $10 Starbucks card. How's the neighborhood? Any crackheads? You know? <laughs> Have you ever lived beside drug dealers? We did one time. That was super awesome. So, like, it's worth 10 bucks at Starbucks to know. Um, you know, are there, like, 50 competing barking dogs every night? You know, stuff like that. It was smart. You didn't know I was smart. And uh, Aaron said, well, the, the house across the street we're looking at it, but it's kind of small for us and not quite right for us. I had to do it like that's all that I needed. You know, I was already drowning. Don't throw me a baby. You know, I just like I don't need to do a house renovation while we're doing all of this. And, and so um, and so um, Aaron calls me up and she says, hey, I found our house because the lady said, oh, well, why don't you buy my house and walked her through the house while I was doing a deal because I cared about God's house first. God took care of my house at the same time. He already had a miracle ready to go. And she was a smoker. She never smoked in that house. And she was a smoker and she was outside having a smoke. So I don't know if God just like pushed her like it's time to smoke button while Aaron drove by. Because God could do anything. Local pastor encourages smoking. I, I'm just saying, God can use anything. I will not be quoted by saying that I encourage that. You need a miracle. You need a miracle at work. Um, when I give back to God, it's all connected. Um, when loyalty shifts to the, God's house, your house becomes God's problem. I've seen loyalty work from, I mean, the Waranka family. When they first started coming to Bird Church Theater, they came in the evening. But their hearts, there was something in that that was like, even the first time we used to pass offering plates. Everybody just e-transfers now. It's just easier. But, but um, we used to pass offering plates. From the very first week, they, an unchurched person goes into church. They don't expect their kids to go play hockey and somebody else pay for it. So they started putting like a little bit in. And like, oh my goodness, like we grew up, they grew up far from God. Not church, not anything. And they're like, this might be what we've been looking for our whole lives. This connection, like, oh my goodness. And so they started coming, and right from day one, they started doing a, a little bit of that. They didn't do it for recognition, but I'm recognizing them because I'm proud of them, and I'm like a proud mama hen. But there's something in that. The whole family ended up coming to Christ and getting baptized, and then they took Dave Ramsey's Financial Freedom, uh, Financial Peace University, which is starting right now, and you need to get in on. Um, and we're just moving all our small groups to buildings right now and, and observing, and it's great. But I'm just saying they started and they just bumped their, because today's sermon is going to be about giving back. And about giving back specifically what, what the Bible calls the tithe, which means translated the tenth. One-tenth because God knows you're not good at math and he just wants you to move the decimal point. Because if it was one-nineteenth, y'all would be all messed up all the time. And so, so they just moved their timeline up. And do you want to know what happened in their lives? They sold a property in uh, Lethbridge. And I'm going to explain about tithing and how it works. They tithed on the increase. And I'll explain that. 
And it was a sizable check. Now, I imagine Scott writing that check was like, the next week, God was sending a message. The next week, they sold another property they'd had listed for years at $100,000 over what they had it listed for the next week. And God's like, you see? You can, you can hide your resources in the world or you can hide them in heaven. Where nothing ever rots and investments never go bad. And it's all connected. And as I talk today about the promises of God in tithing, um, I just want us to understand this is a giving back thing. It's a giving back thing. And you need to give back. Some of us, we get into this place where church people really, but unchurched people come in and they're like, oh, this it works like this. And God's like, I'll give you 30 uh, multiples on your investment, 60 or 100, you know. And he says, I'll make sure that the 90% that's left to you goes further than it did because it, now I'm in that. So either 100% with you or 90% with me, which always ends up as more than 100% that you have. And, um, and he's like, I'll, I'll take care of your health. I'll start guarding your health. I'll make sure that your investments, I'll start handling your family. He makes all of these promises. And so when I preach to my daughters, I preach this to them because, uh, you know, because I want the best for them. I want them to marry the right person. I want God's hand in it all. And so, so we say sometimes, well, God doesn't need our money. Well, God doesn't, but you need to give it. Sometimes I'll say that to somebody. I'll say like, I don't need to be called pastor, but sometimes you need to. My mom doesn't need to be called like mom and honored because mom needs it, but the kids need to. And there's this thing in there that you, if you learn to honor God with your resources and your wealth, see your heart follows wherever you put your money. The Bible says your treasure follows your heart around, or sorry, your heart follows your treasure around. I always get that mixed up. And so it's a heart issue, but see, God doesn't need adoption, but somebody on your street does. Somebody in your family needs adoption and adoption costs money. But as soon as you have that child, as soon as you get addicted to that harvest, when your brother-in-law comes to church and gets baptized and gives their life to Christ, when you see an eternal harvest come in because of seed that you sow, then you start getting addicted to the harvest. And then we get into the place. And anybody who's, who's giving and who's generous with God can't, like, I can't afford not to anyways, just because God's blessing is so great. If he took it out of the Bible, I would still do it. And even, even businesses who are not Christian businesses give 10% away because there's a, a principle of generosity and the sowing and reaping. Now, um, what God wants you to do is only limited by what you'll give back. But I'm also convinced that God made me a better, when I was an electrician, a better electrician because of it. I would wake up in the middle of the night uh, you know, you have weird dreams about weird stuff. I would wake up with like electrical diagrams in my head of things that would work the next day. And so I'm not that smart. My subconscious is not like quietly working away on a problem. You know, I'm like dreaming about, you know, jumping off a mountain or something stupid, you know. And so God would, I walked into a, a plant one time in a town that I'd never been in before. I didn't even know to this day, I'm not sure what the plant did, but I walk in there and there's like pumps and it's so loud. I can't hear myself think. And they're like, this thing's not working. I don't know what's going on. And I mean, you want to talk about a miracle. I open up one of the MCC cabinets. I see a giant uh, a binder down below with all the, you know, it's like the, the, all the specs of everything that's in there. I take it to my work truck, have a little cry, open it up. And within two pages, my eye catches something. I walk in, take my meter, check one thing, reset it, everything works. And they're like, you're the smartest electrician we've ever had. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> 10 minutes, man. Somebody been in there for three weeks and couldn't find it. But it's just one of those things that the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you. Now, um, every time that I email transfer the, the church, the house of God, the temple of God, every time that I do, it's like a quiet plea for God to help me raise teenage girls. Because you need anointing, everybody, to raise teenage girls. You try figuring out a teenage girl's brain. 
That's a trick because you can. They don't even know what's going on in there. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, my brain is made of like nuts and bolts and things that make sense. I will stay with my teenage daughters and because I'm in the habit of being generous and giving back to God, the Holy Spirit puts a little, he puts a word in my spirit sometimes and I'll just say it. I'm like, and this thing, and I don't know what I'm talking about. And I fumble through it and wouldn't you know, everything works out. She's better. Her heart's better. Her brain is all fixed up. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. And I don't want to know. The light came on. Just walk away. Just walk away and be like, oh Lord. Yeah, no. Every time it's, it's like a silent plea. You need the Holy Ghost to find out which kid is guilty. Now, all y'all parents who are like one-to-one -one parenting, shut up. Nobody cares what you think because you're playing man-to-man -man defense. That is nothing. I, anybody could do that. We have four kids, man. We don't know who did what anymore. Pastor Ann walks home and she's like, who didn't do the dishwasher? And they have this thing where they just saw like eye contact down. And then they have this baffled look of like, well, I feel like I'm a pretty good kid. And if I was asked to... Would probably have taken done the dishwasher, but they look around and then they start melting out of the room and I need the Holy Ghost to tell me which one did it. Put an X on somebody, Holy Spirit, because I need the wrath of God to come now, because I don't know who I asked to do that thing. Um Listen, um, I'm going to talk to sons and daughters of God. Um, there are commandments about giving back that God wants us to do. And if you start praying about things that God already told you to do, then you get really tripped up really quick. Because um, you're not supposed to be negotiating with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy and whole, right? And when you start negotiating, then you start making him into your image right now. And we, we risk right now in Canada, I really feel like this what's called like a religious spirit, which is like making a man-made religion that kind of looks like God, but mostly looks like us. And we call it like, you make a Franken-Jesus. And um, things don't work out well with Franken-Jesus. And I feel like right now, there's so much judgment and stubbornness right now in the church that we gotta ask God to break us right now because, because we're making a, a God in our image and we cannot, we have to worship God as he is. Unevaluated, you get everything you want. And this is really a matter of obedience here. Now tithing might be a new concept to you, so you'll be grateful to hear it. Um, Maybe you've never been to church. Maybe you've been to church your whole life, but never been to a Bible preaching verse, uh, church, I should say. My mom went to a church her whole life and, and got, uh, gave her life to Christ in college because she didn't know that it was real. She thought it was just a bunch of stories in a social club, you know? And so if the church has never preached this, I'm sorry on behalf of the church. Um, but those of us who do it, we, we can't afford not to. And so, um, and, and sometimes what happens is, you know, you have a break where you're not going to church or, or covid made a break and then what happens is you got a, a story that you have to tell yourself about why you're not being generous with God and then you got I'll go back and unwind that story so I'm gonna help you unwind it today and if God can speak through a donkey you are welcome I don't mind um, now uh, Deuteronomy 14 says uh, Moses says this uh, you shall truly tithe 10% all the increase income revenue gain that's what that word means of the grain that the field produces year by year so 10% off the increase so if you're salaried 10% you know I'm salaried so that comes off of the the top. I, I tithe before taxes because I think that taxes also are increased in our country. Like I get to drive on roads and go to hospitals and schools and, and I consider that. So we always tithe like pre-tax. We take the biggest number and just move the decimal point over. Um, that's what we do. God has always blessed us for that. Um, now listen, 15 years ago in the trades world, um, I didn't become a pastor for the, for the money. 
I was horribly mistaken. Um, so 15 years ago in the trades world, I was making more money than I am right now. And, um, but we live better than people who make twice what our income is as a family. We do because God is in it. And, uh, and we are able to be generous and very generous with God too. And uh, generous with people. So, um, so we tithe the increase. You know, when I was in trade school, I would get an EI check for the two months I was in trade school. I would tithe on that because I was eating from that check. And in a way, I was making the government give a little bit back to God, which I thought was good. Because the government ought to be giving a little more than we're giving away right now. Um, so my kids tithe on things like increase, like birthday money or inheritance or tax returns. If you're not tithing pre-tax, you know, I mean, I, we tithe pre-tax so that tax return is ours. Often I still give a gift, but I had a friend of mine who owned a medical clinic. And so let me explain it if you have like a business because this, this idea, um, she had a medical clinic. And so she started the concept of tithing. And so I was asking her finally after a few months, I'm like, so what are you tithing off of? And she said, well, I'm tithing off of all of the income. And I'm like, well, no, no, no. See, there's the, I should have kept my mouth shut because she was writing some good checks. Um, no, but, but accurately, I said, no, no, no. You don't tithe when you have employees that are a direct business expense, right? So, or the gas that you put in a company truck, like that gets, you know what I mean? Like that is a direct expense of being in business. And I say, you don't have to tithe off of somebody else's increase, but you have to tithe off of yours. So what is your family intaking off of that? If you're rolling money in the business, um, that's not what we're talking about until you sell it or until you sell a property or make an increase on that. And, and so is that, I feel like that's a 30 second, just kind of capsule there that kind of helps you understand scripturally what they're talking about. Um, and the more money that we make as a family, the more percentage we give away. Uh, that's, we just had good luck with it. And I just wouldn't do it any other way right now. Cause everything we do seems to turn to gold and, uh, you can't buy that kind of favor that we have everybody. And um, I'm convinced that our family wouldn't even be together if we didn't give back to God. I don't even think that it was, first of all, it was impossible anyways. But if we didn't do that, I know for certain that we wouldn't have a church here right now. And my, I don't know, our, our kids wouldn't be with us. And I'm not saying that every family, you know, there's brokenness in families as well, which God can restore. But, but, um, but so what, what we often come up to is this whole idea of like, well, this wasn't Moses speaking about this. And so a church person who wants to be stingy has to come up with a, a thing. And so, um, so we're like, well, Moses, Jesus came to do away with the law of Moses. So let me explain that a little bit. First of all, he didn't come to do away with things like you shall not murder <laughs> or do away with like, you know, cause I, I hear Christians like, well, we're under grace right now. Well, grace doesn't mean you get to be stingy and cheap with God. Like as if Jesus was only 10% of what God had. If you only have one son, that's 100% and Jesus, God gave Jesus to you to come and live and die for you. And so even the principle there, God's like, just give back 10% so you don't think your life is about you anymore. And so, um, and if you don't go to this church, like, I don't know, give it somewhere. But it's just that principle. You just got to give it away. And um, I don't think there's a better place to, to plant it than the local church. And, and scripturally, if you're a Christ follower, that's where we're commanded to do it. So tithing didn't start with Moses. Tithing was spoken about there. But Moses... Jesus came not to do away with moral law or like gravity. So if you're going to claim like, well, I'm under grace right now. I don't have to give back to God. Um, jump off a building and see if you're still under gravity. You know, you can be under grace or you can be underground. But <laughs> um, there's, still, there's still this idea of the principles of life that, and the, the scripture said, and I started the series with this, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. You will reap what you sow. And so as long as the earth remains, so Jesus came to do away with, here's the way, he came to not do away with the law, he said, but to fulfill it. He fulfilled the atonement and sacrifice of the law, meaning the atonement for sin is what Jesus came to fulfill. And so that's what he came to fulfill. He didn't come to do away with generosity or moral law. 
No, he came to fulfill it. In fact, he tightened everything up and he's like, even if you look at a woman, maybe you're committing adultery. So like, hey, now that we're under grace, we can do better than they did in the Old Testament. And so, um, and so, yeah, let me get into that. And Jesus addresses this, Matthew 23. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law? Now, I'm going to, he's going after professional Christians right now. Are you ready? Uh, what sorrow awaits you? And you Pharisees, hypocrites, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Like, one out of ten mint leaves you give to the temple. He's like, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. But then I have stingy Christians that come and talk to me and they're like, yeah, but I care about the more important things. That's why I don't tithe. And I'm like, yeah, because you love mercy so much. You're not generous, you know, or because you care about justice right now with justice. Like let's feed some Afghan refugees right now. Like we, we care so much that we don't do it, you know, um, or we care so much that we don't have faith and give first, you know? And so it's a ridiculous argument. I don't want to talk about it. And then we get into this thing where it's like, well, I'm not giving because God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is funny. The more you give, the more you want to, not the other way around. Loving is funny. The more you love, the more you want to. It's not the other way around. And so when you understand that concept, like if you want to, if you really want to give, well then give because then God will help you want to. Um, Malachi chapter three. I'm going to go through this scripture really quickly here. Malachi chapter three. It's not, it's not unusual. This, this is the last word that God speaks. This last warning, and this is the topic of it, is the topic of, of stinginess and, not, and, and people not being generous. And he's talking to the nation of Israel, and he says, after this, there's 400 years of radio silence until Jesus comes. There's not a prophet who speaks by the word of God for 400 years after this, because God's like, you are removing yourself from where I speak. And this is his last warning. You want to hear it? He says, I am God. Yes, I am. And you're like, why would he start there? Because if you're stingy, you are trying to sit on his throne in your life. You're trying to get everybody to serve you when you should be serving God. I am God. He's like, get your cheap rear end off of my throne. It's tiny. It doesn't, doesn't smell right. Come on. I am God. Yes, I am. Then he says, I haven't changed. Why? Because you have to tell yourself that he changed his mind when you stop giving. You have to tell yourself that, well, God changed. Like Jesus didn't. No, 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 no. Um, he says, because I haven't changed, you descendants of Jacob haven't been destroyed. He's like, you want your sin back? Because as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sin from us. But if you've been forgiven, you got to forgive. Right? And so it's, and he says, you have a long history of ignoring my commands. Stubborn. We get it. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you. Sometimes when the heavens are silent over your life, it's because you're, you're not giving. You're not generous. Your heart is not reflecting the heart of God. And we're like, why are you speaking? And he's like, I am, but like you're way over there. You know? Um, he says, return to me. You ask, how do we return? He says, begin by being honest. Now, honesty is not telling people how you feel. Honesty is telling people how you feel if what you feel is true. Honesty has to do with the truth. So my child telling me she's being honest, but she's mad. What would be better is like, I'm mad and that's not right. Okay, that's... You got to tell the truth because honesty is all about the truth, not about how you feel and not about you saying something that you're absolutely convinced of. Well, what if you're wrong? Well, you're not being honest then. And so that's for free, everybody. I just helped you raise your kids, man. It says, do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and offering, the 10th and the offerings on top. That's how. And now he says, you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. You're like, God's cursing me? 
No, God loves kids who aren't bright enough to invest with him anyways. He loves you. It has nothing to do with that. He's like, look, you can p live in this house, but this is what we do. Or you can live in the house with the other crazy guy who's robbing me called the devil, but don't live under, why would you live under there? But he's not going to stop you if that's what you want to do. And um, he says, bring your full tithe, a tenth, not a fifth, not a tooth, to the temple treasury, so there will be ample provisions in my house, in my temple. He's saying, look, you got to care more about my kingdom, because I'm not here to build your kingdom. And if your family only exists to build your family kingdom, then it's, of what value is that? He's like, care about my kingdom so that I can help you with not your kingdom, but so that I can bring you into my kingdom and bring your house along. He said, test me. It's the only place in the Bible that says, test me. Try it. And I always say this, like every time I preach about money, I'm like, try it for six months. And if it doesn't work, I'll write you a check. We'll give it back to you. I have no problem with that. Nobody's ever taken me up on that because it works. God has never broken his promise ever one time to anybody in the history of the human race and never can. You're welcome. Test me in this and see if I don't open up the heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunders. What he's saying is here, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your body, the fruit of your investments, the fruit of your life, even your vegetables. God, you don't have to protect my vegetables, but he still apparently God's into vegetables. And he said, you'll be voted happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. He's like, yeah, see, the truth sets you free, and then you get to live under grace. Jesus was a mix of grace and truth. But isn't that interesting? He said, you'll be voted the happiest nation. I don't think we're being voted the happiest nation right now. Because the happiness switch belongs to God. And if we're not giving back, I think that we lose happiness. And you'll try to find it in resources and money and the cars that you drive and the stuff that you keep. But God owns the happiness switch. And unless he switches it on, you're just never going to be happy and be fulfilled. And that's what I really want for you and what I want for my own kids. So... Dave Ramsey says this, let's start with the basics. Simply put, the tithe is the first 10% of your income that should be given to your local church. It's strictly measured in money, so you can't replace it with giving your time or your talents, but you ought to do that anyways. So put it in your budget first. That's what I do, then I don't feel something every time I do an email transfer. I'm like, no, it's in the budget. That's what it's there for. Now listen, we're gonna sing that song, you hold it all together again. And I feel like if I could just say like the emotional temperature right now of the city and of the church, is that we're fatigued, we're angry, we're, we got to give all of that up because we're trying to take back possession and control into our hands, but it's going to stress you out and we can't do that. You're not made to hold that. God's shoulders are, are broad and they can handle that. And so when I give back to God and when I'm generous, I'm actually putting it on his shoulders. Now the problems are his problems and now everything belongs to him. And now my teenage girls belong to him and my wife and my house and my you and and, and he holds it all together. And I just want somebody just to release that to God this week so that you stop trying to hold the weight of the world on you and give it to Jesus. He's the one who is supposed to have it.